0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This episode number 25, entitled, Wisdom Christology in the Prologue of John's Gospel. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God, and about the humanity of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith. I am your host. After many weeks of laying out the evidence that God's personified wisdom was portrayed as embodied into human beings by both Jewish authors and early Christians, we arrive today at the Gospel of John. John chapter 1 contains what is known as the prologue, an 18-verse poem about the Word becoming flesh in the human Jesus. John's prologue has often been regarded as primarily exhibiting Logos Christology, which is the understanding about Jesus as the incarnation of God's creative and personified word. However, by the time the prologue of John was written, the concepts of God's personified word and God's personified wisdom had overlapped to the point that speaking of either one of these personified attributes of God would naturally evoke the echoes of the other. For example, we have frequently cited the passage from Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 9, verses 1-2, through written around the year 40 AD. And this passage states that, O God of my ancestors and Lord of mercy, who has made all things by your word and by your wisdom, you have formed humankind. As wisdom of Solomon chapter 9 verses 1 through 2. As you can see, the author can speak of God creating through both his word and his wisdom in the very same sentence, as if the understanding about the creative logos of God carried with it the understanding of God's wisdom. Further confirmation of this can be seen in a quote by James D. G. Dunn in his book Christology in the Making. This is what James Dunn says. But basically, all three phrases—spirit, wisdom, word—are simply variant ways of speaking of the creative, revelatory, or redemptive act of God. This is borne out by the parallelism between word and spirit in Psalm thirty-three six and one hundred and forty-seven eighteen, and the equivalence between Psalm thirty-three six and Proverbs three nineteen, where the same creative power is described as Yahweh's word. Yahweh's breath, slash spirit, and Yahweh's wisdom. The closeness of the equivalence is most evident in, guess what? Wisdom chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, and verse 17, where he quotes and says, O God of my fathers and Lord of mercy, who has made all things by your word, and by your wisdom formed man, who has learned your counsel, unless you have given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high. In short, all three expressions are simply alternative ways of speaking about the effective power of god in his active relationship with his world and its inhabitants that's from james dunn's book christology in the making page 219. my argument today is that the prologue of the gospel of john namely john chapter 1 verses 1 through 18 is a massive poem depicting jesus in light of wisdom christology In fact, it will become apparent in today's study that the echoes of God's personified wisdom are actually more prevalent in John's gospel than the echoes of God's creative and powerful word. In other words, although John 1 begins by stating, in the beginning was the word, the original readers would have heard and recognized the themes of both God's word and God's wisdom in this passage, and arguably, the echoes of Lady Wisdom are more dominant than the themes about God's Word. If this is the case, then interpreters of John chapter 1, verses 1-18 through 18, need to begin to acknowledge the passage as an example of wisdom Christology that our podcast has already demonstrated in Matthew, 1 Corinthians, Colossians, and Hebrews. As a reminder to our listeners, God's wisdom in pre-Christian Judaism, was a personification of God's wise interaction with his creation and not an actual female person alongside God in heaven. For the writers to depict human beings as the embodiment of God's personified wisdom is to state that these human beings exemplify and express God's wise teachings without suggesting that they literally pre-existed their human births in any way. So let's begin. Our first point of connection is in John chapter one and verse one, which says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And my argument here is that the earliest readers and interpreters would have heard in the beginning was wisdom as well as in the beginning was the word. And so there are a variety of passages that would have evoked these thoughts in their minds with some chapter 9 and verse 9 says, And wisdom is with you, who knows your works, and was present when you created the world. That's Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 9 and verse 9, which says that wisdom was with God, just as we're seeing in John chapter 1 and verse 1, that the Word was with God. We could also see this in the very first verse of the book of Sirach, chapter 1 and verse 1, which says all wisdom is from the Lord and is with him forever. That's Sirach chapter 1 and verse 1, where again, The wisdom was with the Lord and with him forever, just as we're seeing in John chapter 1 in regard to God's word. And of course, we can go back to Proverbs chapter 8, that massive chapter with the personification of God's wisdom, who often speaks in the first person. Let me read a section of this passage in Proverbs chapter 8, which says From everlasting I was established, from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, then I was beside him as a nursing child, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. That's the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verses 23, 27, and 30, where we can see there that wisdom, speaking as a personification of God, says that she was up there with God in the beginning. So clearly, John chapter 1 and verse 1 can be seen in light of wisdom themes, particularly God's personified wisdom. Our second point of connection is in John chapter 1 and verse 3, where it says that all things were made through him, meaning through the personification of God's word. But we could also read this as if it was saying all things came into being through God's wisdom, or all things came into being through her. And so let's look at the parallels for this. In Psalm 104 and verse 24, the psalmist writes, O Yahweh, how many are your works? In wisdom you created all of them. That's Psalm 104 and verse 24, where God is the creator, and he created all of his works through his wisdom. We can also see in Proverbs chapter 3 a similar line of thinking. This passage says, Yahweh in wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up. That's Proverbs 3, verses 19 through 20, to rehab the parallelism of God creating the earth through his wisdom and through his understanding and with his knowledge, as if wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are all parallel concepts. Notice there, by the way, that wisdom is certainly not an actual conscious person alongside God. No, wisdom is just God's wise ordering and the agent through which God brings about his ordered creation. Of course, we've already read Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, where God created all things with his word and with his wisdom. So that's our second point. Our third point of connection today is in John chapter 1 and verse 4, which says, In him was life, and the life was the light of humanity. And so, there in John's prologue it is the logos god's word the personification of god's word in him was life and the life was the light of men so in that we are seeing that within god's word was life and light we can also see parallels of this with lady wisdom who is also described within the concepts of life and light Look here in this passage, Proverbs 3 in verse 18 says that wisdom is a tree of life to those taking hold of her and blessed are those who are holding her fast. That's Proverbs 3 in verse 18, where wisdom is the tree of life, just like the word had life within it. We can also see in Proverbs 8 in verse 35, where wisdom speaks in the first person and says, he who finds me finds life and obtains favor." From the Lord. That's Proverbs 8 and verse 35, to where in wisdom was life. You can also see this in the book within the Apocrypha. It's also one of the Greek books included in the early Christian Septuagint called Baruch, chapter 4 and verse 2, which says, Turn, O Jacob, and take her, meaning take Lady Wisdom, walk towards the shining of her light. That's Baruch chapter 4 and verse 2 another book that was written before the new testament and in this passage we can see that wisdom has her own light and the writer is drawing israel and jacob towards lady wisdom towards in particular her light and then the wisdom of solomon chapter 7 and verse 26 it says that lady wisdom is a reflection of eternal light That's four passages that demonstrate that Lady Wisdom was also said to be in possession of life and light, just as John chapter 1 and verse 4 says that within the word was life and light. That is our third connection. Our fourth connection today is from John chapter 1 and verse 5, where it says the light shines in darkness and the darkness could not overpower it. And there's actually not a lot of parallels that you can find with this in regard to the word within pre-Christian Judaism. But there is an excellent passage that seems to, almost certainly in my mind, be at the foundation of what is written in John chapter 1 and verse 5 in regard to Lady Wisdom. So in this passage, Wisdom of Solomon chapter 7, verses 29 through 30, we see that these themes are going to overlap with John chapter 1 and verse 5. This passage in Wisdom seven says that wisdom is more beautiful than the sun, and excels every constellation of the stars. Compared with the light, she is found to be superior, for it is succeeded by the night. But against wisdom, evil does not prevail. Notice there: against wisdom, evil does not prevail, and that evil there is described in that passage as the night time. Just as John chapter one in verse five says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not overpower it. So there we're seeing that wisdom shines in the darkness and evil could not prevail over her in Wisdom of Solomon chapter 7 verses 29 through 30. So I actually regard that as one of the strongest points of indicating that wisdom Christology is exhibited in John's prologue and is likely to be more prevalent than Logos Christology. So that's our fourth point. Our fifth point of connection comes from John chapter 1, verses 10-11, through 11, which says that he was in the world, he here being the personification of God's Logos, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. And so we get the theme there that the Logos, the personification of God's creative and powerful word, came to his own people, or to his own creation, and his own creation didn't know him, didn't recognize him, and didn't accept him. And guess what? We can see this theme of wisdom visiting Israel and wisdom visiting God's creation. And of course, there is an open question as to whether or not Israel accepted God's wisdom or if Israel rejected God's wisdom. Let's look at these passages. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 9 and verse 10 says, as a command to send her, send Lady Wisdom, forth from the holy heavens and from the throne of your glory, send her so that she may labor at my side and that I may learn what is pleasing to you. That's Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 9, verse 10. We can see there that wisdom is to be sent from the heavens so that she may labor at the side and that the author of Wisdom of Solomon may learn what is pleasing to God. In Baruch chapter 3 verses 36 to 37, we see that God found the whole way of knowledge and gave her gave wisdom to his servant Jacob and to Israel whom he loved. Afterwards, she appeared on the earth and lived with humankind. That's Baruch chapter 3 verses 36 and 37 where God sent wisdom Personification of his wise interaction and teaching to Jacob and Israel. And of course, the passage of Baruch actually goes on and equates wisdom in her embodiment within that passage as God's law, God's Torah. But the passage actually sadly states that God's law, being the embodiment of wisdom, was later rejected by Israel. We can see this theme in 1st Enoch chapter 42 and verse 2, which says, then wisdom went out to dwell with the children of men, but she found no dwelling place. So wisdom returned to her place. And that's first Enoch chapter 42 in verse 2. So in all of these passages we're seeing that God had sent his wisdom into his world. He sent his wisdom down to Israel and did Israel accept God's wisdom? Was God's wisdom rejected? Did God's wisdom leave Israel? That's kind of the open question. Within these passages and we're seeing in John's prologue that God's word was in the world but the world didn't know him and the world did not receive him the very same thing that was formerly said about lady wisdom so that's our fifth point our sixth point comes in John chapter 1 and verse 14 which says that the word became flesh The word became flesh, here being that God's creative and powerful word becomes incarnate and embodied in the human Jesus. That word, the word through which God created the world, has now been embodied into the human Jesus. This happened at Jesus' birth. This is rightly the point of incarnation, where God's word becomes flesh. But, as I've diligently tried to demonstrate in multiple passages, over multiple weeks, in multiple episodes. The theology of incarnation did not begin in John's Gospel. It was formally said about Lady Wisdom in the book of Proverbs, hundreds of years before the Gospel of John was ever written. In the book of Proverbs, we have Lady Wisdom, a personification of God's wise interaction with the world, personified and depicted within Proverbs chapters 1, 2, 3, four, eight, and nine. But ultimately, God's wisdom becomes embodied into actual human females called the ideal and strong wife in Proverbs chapter 31, specifically verses 10 through 31. And if you have not listened to that podcast, I strongly urge you to go back and to look at all of the details where we demonstrate within the book of Proverbs that Lady wisdom gets embodied and incarnate within actual female human beings without suggesting that those female human beings pre-existed their birth in any real and literal way. We also demonstrated in a previous podcast that the book of Sirach depicted Simon the high priest as the incarnation of Lady wisdom. Lady wisdom was described in Sirach chapter 24, and then she was embodied into Simon the high priest, who was an actual high priest who served Israel in Sirach chapter 50. We also noted that Philo, the Greek-speaking Jew living in the first century, had stated that God created the world through his wisdom, but this wisdom could also be found within the human being Sarah, who was Abraham's wife. So we have three pre-Christian Jews author of Proverbs, the author of Sirach, and philo Judaeus, who basically have depicted in their writings that wisdom had become flesh into actual human beings. So in John's gospel, when we see that the Word became flesh, this is not something new. What is actually new here is that we're actually seeing that it's the Word becoming incarnate in Jesus. But This, of course, is evoking the echoes of wisdom becoming flesh into human beings. And we've also demonstrated that in earlier writings of the New Testament that the Gospel of Matthew, 1 Corinthians, Colossians, and the writer of the book of Hebrews also depicted Jesus as the embodiment and the incarnation of God's wisdom. So that's our sixth point of saying that the word became flesh would have naturally been understood as wisdom becoming flesh since wisdom was already stated as becoming flesh into other human beings with a similar theology of embodiment and incarnation. Our last point, point number seven, is a continuation of John chapter 1 and verse 14 where it says that he dwelt among us literally in the Greek, it's that he pitched his tent among us, or he tabernacled among us. It has this imagery of pitching a tent or pitching up the tabernacle. And there's an excellent parallel to this in the book of Sirach, chapter 24, verses 7 through 8, to where wisdom is the one who is going to make her dwelling among Israel and Jacob. This passage reads, quote, among all these, I, Lady Wisdom, sought a resting place in whose territory should I abide. Then the Creator of all things gave me a command, and my Creator chose a place for my tent. He said, quote, Make your dwelling in Jacob and in Israel receive your inheritance. End quote. That's Sirach chapter 24, verses 7 through 8. To her, God commanded Lady Wisdom to make her tent among Jacob and Israel. And the very same thing we are seeing in John chapter 1 and verse 14 to where God's word became flesh and pitched his tent or made his dwelling among the people. And so Sirach 24 could say that wisdom came to earth and made her dwelling and pitched her tent among the people. We can also see that John chapter 1 and verse 14 is saying that the word pitched his tent, and made his dwelling among the people. And so that's a common observation of the connection of Lady Wisdom within John chapter 1 and verse 14. So, in conclusion, we have observed that, number one, the prologue of John, while rightly regarded as a poem depicting Logos Christology, also needs to be read as a prime example of Wisdom Christology, since the themes of God's personified word and God's personified wisdom overlapped so frequently. Number two, we saw that on seven different occasions within the prologue of John, it can be demonstrated that Lady Wisdom is used as the foundation upon which the human Jesus finds his embodiment and climax. Number three, the Gospel of John, like Matthew, 1 Corinthians, Colossians, and the book of Hebrews is clearly a major document that portrays Jesus in terms of wisdom Christology. And number four, for the prologue of John to say that Jesus is the incarnation of God's wisdom and word, this is to state that Jesus embodies God's wise instruction and commands without indicating that Jesus literally pre-existed his birth as either an actual figure named wisdom or word since wisdom and word were personifications rather than persons. If you enjoy the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, and you would like to financially support the work that it is doing, please check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thanks again so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, take care.